Well, good morning, everyone. I hope that this finds you well. Uh, first of all, I want to say happy Valentine's Day. Uh, you need to know that whatever you've done in your past, what whatever other people may have said about you, maybe even what it, you've thought about yourself at times, you need to know this truth that will set you free. You are loved. And today we're going to be carrying on our series, The Love Revolution, a love revolution that started over 2000 years ago when Jesus demonstrated his outrageous, amazing love for us. He didn't just say he loved us, but he demonstrated it even while we were sinners, even though we'd messed up, even though we didn't deserve it. Jesus gave his life for you and for me so that we could have relationship with him that we could have that connection, that we could be one, that we could be one with the Father, that we could follow him. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. And uh, I really hope and pray that you will have an encounter with God in a powerful way that will lead you to a more enriched life. Let me ask you a question this morning or this afternoon or this evening, depending on where you're watching this broadcast uh, from. And let me just say, I was going to say this last week in Vision Sunday. If you didn't uh, listen to the Vision Sunday message last week, do catch up online on demand. And, you know, we're inviting you to be part of the vision that God has given to us here at CLC. But part of our vision is that we have a, a global universal church family that's local, national and global. And I love what God's doing with church online, with City Life Church online. And may it continue to grow and expand. I'm really grateful to Kevin and Lynn and Sharon and Lee and Catherine and all of the other amazing people that help make it work. And it's never been easier to invite people to church, has it? And hey, why not even now? If you've got the opportunity, why not now even share this broadcast so that other people can hear this great message? And I'm actually going to do that right now myself as well. So I'm just getting my mobile out. And uh, I'm posting so you can even share my status if you want to do that, if it, it helps make it easier for you. So let me ask you this question. What do you think God is like? What's his character and his nature? How, how would you describe it? What sort of things do you think that God says and God does? The way that we perceive God is of the utmost importance because the way that we view God will impact every single area of our lives. I love what Bill Bright said, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. He said this, everything about our lives, our attitudes, motives, desires and actions, and even our words, are influenced by our view of God. Our view of God directly influences what career we pursue, who we choose to marry or not marry, how we raise our children, the pivotal decisions that we make in our lives. Our view of God influences our thoughts, our actions, our words, it impacts every area of our lives. A.W. Tozer, great man of God, he 
said this when he was speaking about the importance of having an accurate view of God. He wrote this book called The Knowledge of the Holy. And this is a quote from that book. It says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. You know, in the same way that if you're building a building, you need to have deep, strong, firm, solid foundations so that that building, that house can stay up. It's really important that we have strong foundations as well, that we don't have faulty thinking, that we don't have wrong thinking, but we have true thinking that's based on the truth of God's word. If a house has faulty foundation, weak foundation, shoddy foundation, cut corner foundation, what's going to happen to the house? It's going to come crashing down. So we need to be people that have a correct, strong foundation. The Israelites, I was thinking about them today, the Israelites, and how that God had done this amazing thing in their lives. 40 years, uh, well, they'd spent 430 years in slavery in Egypt. Then they went in this transitional phase, didn't they, uh, in the wilderness before then going into the promised land. But when they were in the, in the wilderness, they, despite the amazing things that God had did, uh, that God had done, He'd led them out. He'd delivered them. He'd parted the Red Seas. He'd done amazing miracles, raining bread from heaven, manna from heaven and quail, bringing water from rocks. I mean, it was amazing what God had did, how he demonstrated his love for them. Yet many of those Israelites still had a faulty thinking. You know, sometimes it's easier, you know, to, to, to get, Israel to get Egypt to get out of Egypt physically than it is mentally and and it was like they were still holding on to some negative mindsets some old faulty stinking thinking as Joyce Meyer calls it they weren't operating with that promised land mindset and they actually were blaming Moses they were complaining at God saying you brought us into the wilderness to kill us it was a wrong view about God. God wasn't seeking to kill them. God's a God of love. God wanted the best for them. And uh, when we have a faulty view of God, you know, it's very easy for us to slide into idolatry where we begin to worship what is false. That's exactly what happened with the Israelites in that story, isn't it? The Israelites worshipped a golden calf. And they tried to create their their own version of God. They, were, they tried to create God in their own image. They tried to box God in. Now, it's probably highly unlikely that anyone watching this broadcast would worship a golden calf. Or even a statue, perhaps, in the modern age. So that still does go on today. But maybe for you, the idol is not something so obvious. And this is the thing. Idolatry can take many forms. Sometimes it can actually be something that's good in our lives. But where it's become a priority, it's become our top priority, where we attribute more worth and value to it than, than it should have. That's where it gets into this, this dodgy ground. So, you know, we can end up worshipping our job. We can end up worshipping money, materials, stuff, possessions. We can end up worshipping sport. 
entertainment. We can end up worshipping some of the relationships that we have. And I want to say this, you know, and I want to wish my wife, Laura, a very happy Valentine's Day. If I could pick, a, pick again, I would still pick you. I love Laura to pieces. Uh, I love my girls, Talia and Sophie, to pieces. They are so precious to me, more than they'll ever know. But they're not God. <laughs> There's only one who deserves the top spot in our lives. And, and, I, and I know that's the same for Laura. I know it's the same for my girls as well. I can't be first. There's only one person who can fulfill the saviour, the Messiah, the, the God almighty role description. And it's not me. It's God. But here the Israelites, they fell into faulty thinking. They started putting other things above God. We've got to be careful that we don't even elevate our children or relationships above God. There's only one who should be number one in our lives, and that is God. You know, it's the, the first of the Ten Commandments. Says, you know, there's one God. Have no other before him. Jesus gave the great commandment, didn't he, where he, he said uh, in Mark 12, 31, uh, 30 and 31, he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. That's the greatest of all, you know, the commandments. So we've got to, you know, let me ask you a question. Is God first place in your life? Is he number one? And I'm not just talking about saying it, saying it with words, because you've heard me say this loads of times. Words can be cheap. Actions are expensive. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to make mistakes. Doesn't mean that we're not going to be perfect, but we are being called to follow him. Is God first place in your life? Is he really first place? Is he before uh, any relationship? Is he before any job? Is he before any, you know, study? Is he before any material gain or finance? Is he really first place in your life? When we put him in first place, that's when we're building on a strong, solid, eternal foundation. See, we've got to live our lives in light of eternity and follow him. Sad to say that there are many people that will say, yeah, I follow Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is number one in my place. It's not reality in, in the way that they're living their lives. Now, imagine you and I, uh, let's say that, you know, there's no restrictions at this time. And we stood in a car park and I say, hey, do you want to go out for, for a meal? I know this amazing restaurant, which is just phenomenal. I mean, it will set your taste buds on fire. You will be so blessed. And it's this special little restaurant that I know about. And you like, your eyes light up. You're like, oh, amazing. Yeah, I'd love to come past that. So I say, well, look, you got your car. I've got my car. I'll jump in my car. You jump in yours. And then you follow me and I'll show you where this restaurant is because you won't know where it is. And you're like, oh, brilliant. Sounds great. Yeah, I will follow. So I get in my car. You get in your car. I pull out, you know, to the uh, entrance of the car park, just about to exit. And I turn right. And as I look in my rear view mirror, you turn left. And I'm like, what are you doing? So, you know, I get on the phone and I ring, ring up and I said, I thought you said that you were following me. And you say, I am following you. 
sounds really silly, doesn't it? But the reality is that if we're not following Jesus, but we're saying we are, it's just lip service. God's calling us to follow him, even when it's not convenient, even when it's costly, even when it's not comfortable. That's why Jesus said, you know, if you want to find your life, you must give your life away. The way up in the kingdom is down, stooping in humility. The, the way to freedom in the kingdom of God is through surrender, where we say it's not about what I want. It's about what you want. John the Baptist said, you know, you must increase. I must decrease more of you, God, less of self. The Apostle Paul, uh, I think it's Galatians 2.20, he said, you know, it's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. He recognized that it wasn't about living for number one, this number one, but it was about living for the greater number one, living for that greater reward. And I want to encourage you, whatever things the Holy Spirit, this is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of conviction, a call you higher. Say, come on, there's more in you. God's put a greater one in uh, on the inside. If you've invited him into your life, you've got a greater one. And if you haven't got the greater one living on the inside of you, it's as simple as praying, inviting him into your life, saying, Lord God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I choose to put my faith and trust in you, Jesus. Help me, empower me to live for the purpose and the plan that you have. You are the author of love. And I want to live for you in Jesus' name. So, uh, you know, the Israelites, they fell into idolatry. So let's not be people that fall into idolatry. Let's be people that prioritize God. We put in first place. Now, unfortunately, many people in the world have a wrong view about God because they've been brought up with a negative view. Many people perceive God to be harsh, angry, a, a moody parent. Um, they think he's some giant in the sky with a big beard, you know, and a stick waiting to, you know, beat people when they went, you know, so you can punish them when they get something wrong. That's not who God is. Sometimes this erroneous teaching has been passed on. Sometimes it's, you know, the way that people have interpreted certain events that have happened in their lives. And they end up projecting these things onto onto God uh, wrongly. And, and the reality is that sometimes when things happen in life, we can end up having shattered lenses. We, we get a cracked lens. We get, you know, lenses that, that um, affect our vision. And as a result, we look through that lens. And if it's cracked, if it's tinted, if it's been damaged, it doesn't matter how beautiful and how grand and how vibrant it is in the world round. If we're looking through that shattered lens, we're going to be like everyone else can be like, oh, it's beautiful out here. And you can be like, no, it's not. It's a mess. <laughs> it's cracked. It's crazy. It's not good because we're looking through a cracked lens. Have you ever been to the optician and you sit in the chair, don't you? And the optician slides lots of different glass lenses in and some are good and others and you know, gets you to read those uh, letters on, on, the, on the board, doesn't he, in front of you. And if you've got some of the lenses, they're so thick, uh, it distorts your vision. And so, uh, you know, you might be co thoroughly convinced there is no letters there. I just see blur. <laughs> uh, just because you think it and feel it doesn't make that a reality. And this happens to us all the time where we think something is a reality when it's not. It's just how we perceive it. It's just 
us looking through our blurred, shattered lenses. And my prayer is that today that God will give you a prescription upgrade. You know, it's not a case of, you know, should have gone to spec savers. No, we should have gone to the almighty God and asked him to, to clear our vision, to help us to see him in the way that he uh, truly is. Now, uh, you know, you might uh, be convinced about, for example, you might believe that gravity does not exist. But my belief doesn't change or alter the fact that, hey, well, you can believe and think what you want. Gravity does exist. If I drop an item, it's going to fall. So sometimes we can be convinced about something and be completely wrong. Have you ever had that situation where maybe, you know, you've been talking with someone and, uh, you know, you were so convinced about something? Well, I don't know. Maybe it might be the car keys or whatever. This has happened to me in Laura before. You know, I haven't got the car keys. You've got the car keys. And then what happens later on? Suddenly you find out in your jean pocket it's the car keys isn't it and then you got to eat humble pie and go and, and apologize but we can be completely convinced and we can be completely wrong as well you know there was a time in history where people believed that it was impossible to fly yet on the 17th of december 1903 the wright brothers flew the very first powered aircraft what was once a common disbelief is now a common belief it's amazing really when you think about it isn't it an airplane you see it in the sky and you think what something so big how can that fly it's just amazing what you know technology is capable of there was a time when people believed it was impossible to run a mile in under four minutes that was until roger bannister came along on the 6th of may 1954 that was the year my dad was born and he smashed that limiting belief into pieces once that glass ceiling had been shattered then many others broke that record um too now in the old in the new testament there was a guy called saul there was a saul in the old testament as well but we're going to look at the one in the new testament and he had a very fierce opposition to christ he had a distorted view about jesus he had a distorted view about god he did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. He didn't believe he was the savior. That was until he had a life transforming experience and encounter with God on the road to Damascus. And, I, you know, where he could not deny that Jesus uh, was was not real. He, he couldn't deny it anymore because he had an encounter. It's a really powerful prayer. If you're praying for people that are not yet saved, that don't yet know the Lord, pray for them to have a Damascus Road experience that they will have such a power encounter that they will not be able to deny that he is true. Saul had scales that eventually fell off his eyes physically, spiritually. He was once blind, but now he could see. And he went from a persecutor of Christ to becoming a preacher for Christ. He did amazing things just serving the Lord. Um, today, my prayer is that God will remove any scales from your eyes. Any hindrances that are limiting you, restricting you from seeing Christ in his fullness, seeing who he truly is and how he feels about you. God is love and he loves you so much. So we're going to look at two liberating truths that I want us to focus on today in the message. Uh, first thing is this. God is love. Whatever you've been told, whatever you've thought, 
whatever teaching might have been passed down to you, know this truth, that God is love. Do you believe it? I really do hope and pray that you believe it. And, you know, sometimes we could say again, we can give the lip service. Yeah, I believe it. But do we really believe it in here? Do we know it in our knower? Has it become a revelation? Because when you know that you know that you know that whatever goes on in life, whatever happens, whatever craziness goes on in the world, no matter the casualties around us, no matter even when we mess up, so liberating and comforting to know we are loved. And when we have that, it just leads to such a, a peace and a joy that goes beyond, far beyond anything this world can offer. So number one, God is love. Why don't you write that in the chat? If you're on the chat facility, write in there, God is love. Or why not even post it on your social media? God is love. Get the word out there. Get the truth that sets people free out there. God really is love. Number two, you are loved. Why don't you just say right now out aloud, God is love and I am loved. Not based on anything that you do. It's not about your good deeds. It's not about your works. It's not about earning it. This is the whole concept of grace that separates Christianity from all the other religions. They don't have grace. In the other religions, it's about the scales, about if you do enough, if the scales outweigh, the good outweighs the bad, you might be able to get into heaven. Grace. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's done. We're about Jesus has done the finished work of the cross and us choosing to put our faith and trust and receive the free gift. See, the moment you have to work for it ain't a gift. God's offered us that free gift. That whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we know it's not just about calling on his lane. No more than saying I do is, you know, a full summary of what marriage is. We say I do. That's an important part, a significant part. We need to do it. It's about a lifelong commitment. And, you know, sometimes relationships are challenging. You have to work through stuff. Uh, you know, Laura and I, we've had to work through stuff. And anyone, any other couple that would be real would tell you we've had to work through stuff. I want to honour and salute my parents, uh, mum and dad, and also my parents-in-law. Uh, so, you know, Bill and Susan, Paul and Julie, you know, salute you guys. My mum and dad celebrated their 40th wedding anniversary, 40 years, Paul and Julie, 41, uh, 41 years. Amazing. What great examples you are. And uh, Laura and I and the girls, we're so grateful, so thankful to have such amazing parents. We love you very much. And uh, you're a great example to us. So you are loved. Do you believe that? I really pray that you will have a divine download today in your life. That you really get it in the core of who you are. Not merely just an intellectual understanding, but you'll get it in your heart and your soul. 1 John 4, 8, the second part of it says this, God is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, this is the famous uh, love chapter that often gets quoted at weddings. But I want us to read this out, but replace the word love with God, because God is love. It's not, God doesn't just show love, he is love. It's the essence, he's the author of love. 
There would be no love if it wasn't for God, because God is love. So let's have a read this. And hopefully this is going to give you a bit more of a revelation and insight and understanding to the character, the nature of who God is and what he's like. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God is, does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking, nor is he easily angered, and he keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. What a powerful passage of scripture. Aren't you so glad that God loves us the way that he does? Jeremiah 31, 3, one of my favorite verses says this, I loved you with an everlasting love. You know, I can't stop thinking about Esther Lombardi every, every time I hear this verse because she communicated this message so often with us. It's so important, isn't it, that we hear these truths, that we remind ourselves, that we meditate on these uh, life-transforming scriptures. Romans 8, 38 to 39, it says this, for I'm convinced and remember, this is from the Apostle Paul, who went through a lot of hardship, a lot of difficulties. So being loved doesn't mean you're not going to go through trials, hardships. He said this, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels or demons, nor things present, nor in the future, nor any powers, nor any height or depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is Jesus your Lord? I hope and pray that if he's not, that today you'll make that decision to say, Jesus, be my Lord. So when you're often talking about the love of God, you often do get some comeback from people that are not yet safe. Sometimes people will oppose that and say, well, if God is love, how come there's suffering in the world? And we know that obviously Jesus, he suffered. All of the disciples suffered. So, I mean, being a Christian doesn't mean you become immune from suffering. But we know there's a much bigger picture. So even when we go through suffering, when you know that, you know, even for those who are martyred for their faith, which most of the disciples of Jesus were, we know that there's a much bigger picture. Our time on the earth is just a drop in the ocean compared to all of eternity. So we know that you know, our sufferings are momentary compared to the greater glories, you know, that the Bible tells us. Now, in the beginning, when God created things, there was no suffering. There was no pain. There was no sorrow. Fast forward right to the end of time. We talked about in Revelation what heaven is like. There's no pain. There's no suffering. There's no hardship. There's no tears. Okay. So, Pain, sorrow, suffering was never part of God's original plan and intention. It wasn't part of the creation pattern. But God told Adam and Eve, there's millions of things you can enjoy, but one thing I don't want you to touch. Don't touch that forbidden fruit. What did they do? They got deceived by Satan, by the enemy, spiritual enemy. He lied to them. He deceived them. They, they came out from God's umbrella of protection. And they drank that poison. They took that poison apple. 
And that was when sin and death and sorrow came into the world. So it wasn't God's fault. It was the trigger of their negative uh, consequence of sin. Romans 5, 8 says this, the wages of sin is death. And our sin, humanity, you know, Adam and Eve, their, their sin opened the door to suffering. It's what we theologians call the fall. It created the fall. And as a result, you know, it caused suffering, pain, sorrow to enter into the earth. And we do live, you know, we do live in a, a fallen world that's experiencing birth pangs. The world is experiencing, you know, the world's got sell by date. Eventually it's going to all burn up. And, you know, the, the earth is experiencing labor pains. Matthew 24, great verse for, you know, looking at the end times. And that's not something we need to be afraid of. We should be excited to know our king is coming back one day. You don't have to be afraid about it. We should be excited for the wedding. Let's have a look at Matthew 24, verse 7 and 8. It says this nation will go to war against nation kingdom against kingdom there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world but all of this is only the first part of the birth pains with many more to come and that's what we're seeing even with what's going on in the world at the moment with the coronavirus birth pains are going on not only that i think as humanity if we're honest with ourselves we've not been the best of stewards with the world have we with pollution and with the greed and the way that we've abused the earth and been lazy and foolish and Many cases, even ignorant as well. So there's suffering in the world because there is the birth pangs of the world uh, that's going on. So we've got to be aware of that. There's also suffering because of our own flesh and us choosing to follow the flesh. Poor choices that we make that hurt ourselves and other people. Bring suffering into our lives. There's also, let's not forget, the devil. Now, the devil's not to blame for everything. I think he gets blamed for a lot of things that we do. But the devil uh, does cause suffering. We are in a spiritual battle. Uh, we do have an enemy. Um, Satan's nature is to kill, steal, and destroy. And there will be casualties. That's just a reality of life. John 10, 10 says that the thief, who's that talking about? Satan. says the thief Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So anytime you see killing, stealing, destroying going on, it's the work of darkness. So this is why there is suffering in the world. There's a good God, yes, but there's also a bad devil. You know, some people will throw in the hole, how can there be a loving God, uh, you know, uh, and yet he sends people to hell. Have you ever heard of that one? Well, let me just clear this one up for you. Hell was created for the devil and the demons. It was never created for man. OK, God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to reject God's open, generous, all inclusive, uh, open VIP wedding party of heaven celebration invitation. They choose to reject that. And this invitation that we have that we've received through the message of the cross to receive through Jesus. God's not going to force you. Love's not for it doesn't force itself on you. Uh, but it, it gives you the opportunity to make that choice. God woos us and he pursues us and he softens our heart and reaches out to us. But only we can make that decision whether we respond to that invitation or not. And remember this. No decision is a decision. Procrastination is a decision. And I want to say to you, if you've been putting off the decision today, is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't wait. 
till your deathbed. Don't play Russian roulette with your eternal destiny, with your eternal uh, life. Make the decision today to invite him into your life, to follow him, to give him your heart and soul. Best decision you'll ever make. So how do we adopt more of an accurate and better view of God's view? We renew our minds with the word of God. That's why reading the Bible is really important. We reject the lies and renounce uh, the ungodly beliefs. So, you know, you can say, I reject the lie that God uh, is bad. I reject, I renounce that un ungodly belief that, uh, that God is angry with me. And I declare and I believe and I accept the truth that God is love and he loves me with an everlasting love. Uh, when we claim God is something that he's not, we're believing a disempowered lie. We're living with that shattered and tinted lens. We're claiming that we know better than God. And that's pride. So when you say I'm not loved and God's word says you are loved, you're actually operating in pride and deception. It's a lesser line with a truth that brings greater freedom and liberty and peace to us. Third thing I want to say is this, how we adopt a better and more accurate view of God. Cultivate intimacy with God in prayer. Talk to God. Dialogue with God. Be honest with God. And let him begin to change you from the inside out. Number four, embrace. Mystery is part of God's character and nature. You know, we, we have to embrace that God is a God of miracles, but also we have to embrace he's a God of mystery. So sometimes there are going to be some things that we don't understand. And, uh, you know, it says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, I think it is, you know, uh, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. They're so much higher. So God's ways are higher. And sometimes we just have to trust. Hey, God, I don't get it all. But, you know, I'm trusting that, you know, something that I don't. So what are some fruits of having an accurate view of God's love? We're going to experience a greater manifestation of freedom, freedom from lies, guilt, shame, fear, anxiety. It's not to say that we won't experience some of those emotions or think these things at times, but they won't be able to control us. We're going to experience a greater fruit of peace with God, with ourselves and with other people. We're going to feel more secure. We're not going to be swept along with the need to try and strive for God's affection. You are accepted in the beloved. And then finally, uh, as a result of this, you know, having a greater view, you know, a clear, truthful, accurate view of God, you're going to have more love. You're going to be more loving towards those around you. That doesn't mean that you can't love people, but it's very difficult for you to give what you don't really have or you don't yet fully walk in. So let me give you an example. If I'm feeling very vexed, anxious, confused, stressed. If I come into an environment, it's I could bring peace and joy and happiness, but it's going to be more difficult for me because I'm kind of bringing this kind of cloudy weather with me because of what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, what, what you know, the vibes that I'm giving off. So it's very difficult to bring something when you're, you know, experiencing the opposite. So the more we know that we're loved and we get a deeper revelation and more fruit from that, then the more able we're going to be to share that with other people. So conclusion. 
I want you to remember this. God is love. And you are loved. When you say that right now, when you say it out aloud, you know, to yourself, God, thank you that you are loved. And thank you that I am loved. You are a VIP. You're a very important person. So much so that Christ gave his life for you and he gave it for me. And that love revolution was started over 2000 years ago and it's continuing today. And God is inviting us as his people to partner with him in seeing this love revolution spread locally, nationally and globally. And I really do believe that we are getting revival ready. I believe that we're in the midst of revival. And we're getting ready for the billion soul harvest. And we've each got a significant part to play in it. Well, I'm going to pray for you and then just give you a challenge uh, as we close. Father God, you are the author, and the essence of love. Thank you that you love us, not based on what we do or we don't do, but simply because we're your children made in your image and your likeness. Father, give us fresh revelation. Give us that divine download today to have a greater insight and understanding of your love for us personally and corporately, Lord God. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for us. And Father God, we pray that we won't just keep that love to ourselves. We won't be selfish, but Lord, we'll share it with others lavishly, generously, abundantly, because where there is perfect love it casts out all fear and it brings new life and it brings hope and it brings healing and it brings transformation so father we just say lord change us from the inside out may we know that truth that separates us uh, that, that sets us free may we know that nothing can ever separate us from your love and may we carry on your mission loving god reaching out making disciples in the name of jesus we pray amen just a challenge before I leave you guys. Uh, I want to encourage you, share the message of love with someone else today. And maybe you might want to post something on your social media page. Uh, you'll see that I've put a few posts out today, which you are welcome to share or to tailor or to adapt. You might just put God is love. But I want you to encourage you to get that message out. Maybe you're going to text someone. Maybe you're going to call someone. But guys, let's not be passive. Remember, when we're coming out of the car park, Jesus goes right, we're not going to go left. We're going to go right as well. We're going to be people that follow Jesus, that we follow his ways. God is loved and you are loved. Enjoy the rest of your day. Happy Valentine's.